get your headset on, strap yourself in and get ready to be transported to a whole new world. That's because we're speaking to an industry expert about immersive experiences. Welcome to episode 66 of Sideload. Hello and welcome to Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman. I'm Jermaine Dallas and today we're talking about the technology behind immersive worlds in movies and digital environments. The film studios are doing it and increasingly brands as well are looking at how they can create virtual worlds that take us to somewhere very different to our current reality. And we're speaking to someone who's been doing this with some of the very best in the world. Sol Rogers is the Global Director of Innovation at Magnopus, a company that uses AR, VR, virtual production and more to make immersive experiences for the likes of Sony Music and Disney Pixar. So Sol, thanks for joining us on Sideload. Oh, my absolute pleasure to be here, Jermaine. Thanks for having us. So Sol, you talk a lot about spatial computing. What is spatial computing and what effect is it going to have on our lives? Um, spatial computing is the latest terminology to talk about, um, the, the next internet or the next computing interface. Some people have called it the metaverse. Some people call it spatial computing. Some people call it the mesh. There's lots of other ways to think about it, but really it's about the idea that instead of computers and our connections through the internet, being living in a screen on a device or a phone, a tablet, a laptop. It's going to become something which is more context aware and aware of the environment around you. So we're seeing glimmers of it through augmented reality on your device. You hold your phone up, it's aware of the world in front of it and it can layer in, say, a Pokemon character or directions to your nearest supermarket or theme park. But as it moves away from a device and moves to glasses that we wear, and we're seeing that with our latest round of virtual reality headsets, which can do mixed reality, so layering in a reality together, or some of those early devices, such as the Magic Leap or the HoloLens, where the glasses we wear are aware of the world and can layer in reality. That's really where spatial computing uh, is going to uh, flourish. And when you look at what Apple are doing with the Vision Pro, they're really leaning into that. So it's the next computing interface, but it's also the idea that it's the next internet. It's the next way of humans to connect, not only with each other, but the world around us. And... What is your ideal scenario? If there were no limits to the capability of the technology, what would you want immersive experiences to look like? Well, that's a really big question. I mean, the reality is I'd like the, I'd like, I'd like the technology to make the world a better place. Um, we have challenges around climate. We have challenges around geopolitical. We have challenges around education. We have challenges across across the world. And it'd be really interesting to look at how spatial computing could assist, help change and adapt how humans see each other and how they communicate and how they live, thrive and survive, let alone the incredible opportunities for entertainment where your, you know, your house will be inhabited by digital pet dragons or you and I will see each other sitting across the desk from each other or the idea that maybe when I look out of the window of my house, Instead of seeing the environment I'm in, I get to see the penthouse of an, an incredible skyscraper. Or I happen to be underwater and there's a whale flying by. The opportunity to layer in, basically run, creating real-world visual effects, allows us to adapt and change the world around us in ways we haven't even comprehended yet. 
And where's the growth at the moment for you? Is it that sort of creating dragons in people's living rooms or is it the more B2B examples where people are using it most in, in the corporate world? Uh, it's always the hardest thing with new technology. Early adopters running really fast and the hype cycle turns up very quickly as well. Um, we're seeing incredible impact in enterprise as, as every new technology does. You can find a use case which improves your efficiency or improves your ability to train people or improves your ability to create a new product really fast where the new technology with low adoption rates is still incredibly impactful. The biggest one that everyone talks about is in training and education. You can create a virtual reality experience or mixed reality and create your way to train up your staff to learn about health and safety of a fire or about doing something dangerous on an oil rig or learning how logistics planning is created. And it's creating huge efficiencies, let alone helping people stay safer. In the entertainment space, uh, Meta is the for- at the forefront of those VR headsets. And we're seeing some really incredible quality content within that space. It's still small and nascent area with the gaming industry, but it really is taking off at an incredible pace. And then outside of it, we've seen those little moments happen. If you remember the popularity and still popularity of Pokemon Go, the idea that our world is inhabited by a layer of entertainment that you can see through a magical device, your phone in this case, and allows you to see those characters inhabiting your world on your street corners in your park and you play together socially around the world. That sort of layering in will become more and more and more prevalent. And you've been doing all of this sort of stuff for a while at Magnopus. So tell me some of the things that you've been working on for the past decade and give me some examples of what you've done to make virtual worlds come alive for some of your clients. We've cut our teeth and we, we still do within the entertainment space, especially around the film industry. So a couple of good ones. Uh, when we worked with Pixar, they wanted the ability to allow their audiences to step into their movies. And so we created an experience which was uh, deeply rich around the uh, film Coco, where you could inhabit as an avatar and be in the world to experience the story. One of the clever things we did around it was a lot of games lean into you know, lead narratives where one player goes into the world and has to achieve some quest. In this one, we created it so four people go in together and create their own stories. One of the greatest things about virtual reality is you can bring people together from around the world to create their own memories and their own stories. And so in this place, you are in the world of Coco, but everyone comes out with their own stories of the experience that they put together by playing with their best friends. Um, we also worked uh, with John Favreau and his team to create The Lion King, the last live action movie. And in that case, we created a new type of game called Making a Movie. And the Making a Movie game was putting uh, the director, the cinematographer, the DOP, all in virtual reality headsets to stand in a VR game, which was the movie of The Lion King, where they stood on Pride Rock all together and shot the movie inside a virtual environment. Then the film was obviously rendered and finished off by our friends at MPC to create that photo real look. But creating a world which people could inhabit in VR, which was a, in some cases a, an enterprise use case. And you make a movie and with movie tools. But it really allowed us to think about creation in a different way. And the biggest project for the last few years was we created um, a digital twin of the Dubai Expo, the last World's Fair. Um, and what they had, what they realized early was that only people that could A, afford 
to fly, to, to come to the country, to see the experience, could actually uh, be there. But also, you know, when we're looking at how we want to affect the climate, do we really want to allow people to have to fly, flav- travel, fly, uh, live in a hotel, et cetera, et cetera? So we created this digital twin, which anyone in the world can come to as an avatar through a virtual device, through a desktop, through a browser, through a VR headset and collaborate and see all of the whatever the world has and its greatest things to offer. But also at the same time, you know, within that digital twin, if you were on site and you held up your phone in augmented reality, you would see not only the digital dragons and the quests we could send you on and the incredible things in the UK pavilion, but you could see the avatars walking around the street and you could talk to them across that physical digital divide. You could see the digital humans in the same way as you'd see real people on the streets and that really is a glimpse of where we're going to go there will be places spaces offices theme parks inhabited with digital guests just the same as the physical ones are there and we'll be able to see them and interact in real time i saw the example that you mentioned about the lion king and that looks it looks really cool actually and it made me wonder what it was like for the people working on it and shooting in a different way. How did they How did they have to adapt and, and was it difficult for them to do so? Um, Magnopus is a, a very special company. We always get the challenges that no one else can, can solve. And in this case, it was wanting to shoot a, a, a 100% CGI movie, but shoot it traditionally. And by shooting it traditionally, lo- using incredible experts in their field in cinematography and lighting and direction art and beyond but they had we had to move them into digital tools and traditionally that would meant that those people would be behind someone like myself on a computer and telling them what to do in this case we put traditional tools into the computer to allow them to use their craft and skill that they've had over the four, last 40 50 60 years to create in that new environment and that was really the unlock the digital tools we use, virtual reality in this case, and some of the dollies and jibs and cameras we put into it, just felt normal to them. VR was melted away. It did not exist for them. They were just a pair of glasses that they could wear to see the world around them. They just happened to be in a studio warehouse in Burbank. But when they put the headset on, they were standing on Pride Rock with a traditional gear arm and they could shoot the film with the, the skill and craft that they already had. And I suppose that's a holy grail, isn't it? When we when it doesn't even need a lot of adaptation and changing, it's just doing things in a slightly different environment, but they're, they're still doing those same traditional techniques. But I've got to ask this, because I know there's a lot of sceptics who are going to say that we're going out of our way to disconnect people from the real world. And it's already a world where people are losing the art of face-to-face conversation do you see their concerns absolutely i mean we should always be wary of any new technology that comes for comes to the fore but um it's you know let alone the impact of how it's going to impact our society but the reality is that technology has always been impacting humanity since our ability to wield fire or to create clothes or to start farming or to create language that we could write past knowledge on to books, to films, to movies, to play, whatever thing may be. And every new technology, there are skeptics who say, we've got to be careful. And it's fair. We should always have a look at the impact of what the new technology should be. But often people lean into the um, dystopian futures 
and end up like the Luddites of the Industrial Revolution trying to smash the machines up because it's changing the way that their lives are living or changing how they, their working practices are. So we've always got to be aware that there should be two sides of the coin of how those two things come together. The reality is, though, we already have this incredible fast-paced changing um, uh, world around us, which is, in all sensibilities, better than it's ever been. Yes, there are challenges around climate. Yes, there are challenges around geopolitical, but there are more humans living above the poverty line than there ever have before. And technologies are just going to increase increase to help us live those better lives. I hope we can learn to get along uh, across those geopolitical borders a little better, especially in the time we are now. But when it comes to contact, if you think about how the impact of COVID was and how that just changed all of our sensibilities about how we work, where we need to work, how we work with each other, and how these conversations are using digital technologies to connect us. Even in this low fidelity format that you and I are having a conversation now through a video call, we're going to layer in higher fidelity versions. One of the best things I always think about about spatial computing and metaverse technologies is just to stop calling them that and just call it the advanced internet. We know what we're in now, and we know all those tools. They're just low fidelity compared to where we're going to be able to go 3D, spatial, photoreal holograms, you and I inhabiting different spaces instantly around the world. All those technologies are just going to enhance human connection. And whatever that may be through enterprise or entertainment or anything else, it's just making the world a little bit of a better place with these new technologies. Well, we're going to continue the conversation about immersive experiences. But first, let's get in the time machine and check out this clip from the last episode of Sideload, where we discussed the global future of technology. We will inhabit a world where we can eat meat without killing animals, where we live in a world where the cost of energy may be zero and could well be abundant. We live probably in a much more digital plus physical world, sort of operating symbiotically to kind of enhance our experiences. We live in a world where we will predict and then prevent disease versus waiting for us to get sick and trying to figure out how we fix it. And we will live in a world where I think education will be way more abundant, accessible, but more importantly, impactful to the individual because it'll be more tailored to their needs. Um, These are all uh, examples where technology will create more abundance and should create more prosperity for all. You're listening to Sideload and today the conversation is about immersive experiences. Our guest is Sol Rogers, who's the Global Director of Innovation at Magnopus. So Sol, you mentioned earlier the Apple Vision Pro. Do you think it's going to be one of the tipping points where the mainstream starts to pay attention or could it be one of Apple's biggest mistakes and what effects do you think it's going to have on the industry? Personally, and I've said this for years, is that I think mixed reality is the future of humanity. I think a pair of glasses that you and I wear that is context aware and will enhance whatever it may be will change every part of how we live, work, and play, let alone just think of the number of flat screens in our home that we purchase, televisions, laptops, uh, monitors. All those will now be virtual. They will be placed in by the glasses that we wear. Um, Think about the number of things in your house that you don't touch, the amount of artwork or uh, imagery or anything else. All of that can be digital as well. We can 
replace what's outside the windows with any view we may want. And these practical use cases, let alone digital dragons or virtual chefs to help us or my granddad sitting next to me and watching the soccer game with me at the same time. All those layers in a reality are going to come from a pair of glasses, a lot like the Vision Pro. What the Vision Pro does, though, is it really puts a stake in the ground of what the art of possible is now. It will, it will be adopted by early adopters and developers. But as a quality, it'll finally be one of those devices where you put it on and go, yeah, this is really good. I get it now. It won't be great or excellent or fantastic, but it will be good enough for people to really understand where we are going to go from this. The form factor will need to get smaller. The quality will still need to go up. But the two biggest companies in the space, Apple and Meta, have both released devices this year, which are great. They are good enough. The Quest 3 at $500 is an incredible price point and does mixed reality really well. The Vision Pro $3,500 is a different flavor of a different beast, but both of them are basically saying, the technology is good enough now to create these new experiences. What we now need to do is get away from the technology and just think about killer apps and use cases. No one thinks about the iPhone anymore. They think about Airbnb or Amazon or Zoom, the thing that is powered by all the technologies to happen. And it's the same when we get those headsets. I don't care that it's a VR headset. I want to do holographic FaceTime. That's all I want to do with that device. Uh, it's the same, I often think about the same way as like, I bought an Xbox just to play Halo. It was worth the price point for the device and the price point for the game because that's all that I wanted to do on it. It's the same as I bought an iPad Pro for my grandfather. All he does, he never does any of the internet things or the LiDAR scanner or the camera. He just pushes the FaceTime button and he can see me and my kids anytime he wants. And so those use cases of the technology where it's not about saying spatial computing or metaverse or mixed reality or three and a half thousand dollars it's like this thing that connects me with my grandchildren immediately yes that's worth the price point and all of those new technologies will need to be created and those applications will be new businesses airbnb didn't exist before you know the smartphone and amazon wouldn't be where it is now without smartphone spatial computing is the next computing device and it's going to enable this huge wave of new opportunity for businesses and brands around the world to create new products and connect with audiences in new ways, which is going to be incredible. You mentioned one of the things uh, is the form factor um, of, of the likes of Apple Vision Pro, and they'll probably end up, I'm guessing, looking like the pair of glasses that we're both wearing at the moment. But I do remember several years ago, a very big company that we all know released a product that looked slightly silly at the time and no one was ready for it yet. Do you think Google Glass was ahead of its time? I thought it was fantastic. And in fact, it's still an incredibly popular device and enterprise. They've been selling hundreds of thousands of units to factory workers around the world because a device that gives you notifications and updates, which is hands-free, is incredibly useful. But do you know what? Someone had to do it first and test it out. I think a, a lot of us are very easy to judge very quickly. And the press love a bad story about anything. There was challenge around security. We hadn't bumped into that before. People wearing cameras on their faces. Yeah, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about that, with how that's going to work. Um, but it's the same as like, we feel uncomfortable being tracked in the real world, but we are. But we feel absolutely fine being tracked 
buy cookies on the internet because you know I like being advertised skiing uh, ski adverts at the most ski holidays at the moment compared to a random other one. There was just an understanding of the technology, what it's doing, and feeling comfortable with it. And I think the Google Glass was the first in a series of new technologies. The other thing which I think we a lot of people forget about is that we're in a constant evolution with this technology. It used to take seven to 10 years to get something new to market. It's now like a year. So every year there'll be a new VR headset. There'll be a new vision headset. There'll be a new whatever. And so within a 12-month cycle, we're updating generations of technology, not just doubling or quadrupling, 10xing what the devices can do and how they operate. So that constant speed of evolution, which means that the latest things comes out, is just a marker of a journey to where we're going to get to and beyond. So yes, the Google Glass was in, you know, in its day, it's pretty cool. Like I can wear a pair of glasses and they can add this little layer into it. Was it the killer apps? Not for the mass pop- population. Was it a killer app for enterprise? Yeah. Every single worker in this factory wears a device and they can communicate with them whilst they still have their hands free to do their work. That is a killer use case for a hands-free device. Plus, super cheap technology now. So why not just roll it out? Where are we going to go with the Vision Pro? Maybe a whole factory doesn't get, you know, <laughs> 10,000 Vision Pros deployed next year. But at some point, those devices will come in because they're always on AI that's watching how I work and can add in a layer to teach me what to do and make sure I'm staying on point. It's incredibly useful. What are the ingredients of a powerful, immersive experience? Because I'm sure it's not all technological. Uh, absolutely. Um the key to any experience is just to break it all the way down and beyond, you know, obviously story is king. But if you go beyond that and just go to one simple thing is why should anyone care? That's it. Like, why should anyone care about whatever I'm creating? And then from that point onwards, you can, it's the same question for a new product, an enterprise tool, to a movie, to an immersive experience. If I can create something that an audience will care about, Maybe they just want to feel excited or exhilarated or they want to feel happy and elated. Great, this is what I want them to care. This is what I want them to feel. And what is the story I want to tell them that is built upon that? And the technology stack that I want to lean into to create it. Is it a 2D movie? Is it a virtual reality experience? Is it immersive theater? Is it just theater? Those are all just like, why is the audience here and what are they doing? And what's the value exchange for them? They're going to give us the most precious thing in the world to them which is their time they want to give if we want to take an hour of that audience members or this fans time away from them their life away we want to exchange it with something where they feel like it was good for them did it make their world better and better could be excited and entertained or it could be (laughs) picking boxes from dhl better but those are just simple questions and it's all design led it's all game theory so how do we make it better so in the immersive space one of the most powerful things about it is one, we can show you any world and any reality. So let's make sure it's it's amazing and powerful, exciting, different. It doesn't just have to be the reality that we were living. And two, it allows anyone in the world to feel present with somebody else. And so within virtual reality, through even the most simple avatars, the ability that you and I can connect from anywhere 
breaking down borders and nationalities and create our own stories is really key. So we've always got to think about the world and how we're going to create it, what the fans want to do, and then bring people together and allow them to create their own stories. There are different flavors of all these things, but those are the three pillars. And they're always at the core of it. Why should anyone care? Will this make their world better? And there will be a lot of businesses listening to this who want to get involved in creating immersive experiences but don't have the expertise in-house. So when people come to you with this scenario, what starting point do you recommend to them? We often, we often when we come meet a new brand or a new company or a new studio, um, they usually are recommended to come and see us, which is very, which is a real, you know, real humbling. But when it comes down to it, just we go on. Do you remember digital transformation in the early 2000s? I mean, it was, it was a ridiculous thing, but basically just meant every company should put email. But everyone had to do this thing where they looked inside and said, how will technology adapt and change my business? And we got to think the same thing about spatial computing or the metaverse. How are these new technologies, which are broad, you know, it's not just 3D avatar-led worlds, but how will 5G technology and artificial intelligence and everything else will come together and impact what we currently do? How will it enhance it? Internally, how will it make us more efficient? Externally, how can we reach to audiences around the thing we're creating? Or is there a new product? We make physical trainers. Can we make digital trainers? Can we sell them direct to avatar? A lot of people lean into, I'd like to make a marketing experience to help us sell more of our physical boxes. And we spend a lot of time thinking about the most powerful thing about this stuff is this digital reach of physical locations and products. We currently have the, you know, the power of the internet, but it's 2D. It's basically just, you know, modern newspapers with this next set of technologies. Say you have a small local museum that a thousand people visit, you know, a day. But you know what? This, whatever the thing you, you're showcasing is, has a diehard following of 200,000 people globally who are never going to come. But you could create a digital representation of it and allow anyone in the world to visit it and pay you real money, 10 to $20 or whatever the number may be. So that digital reach is really, really exciting. And the key thing is those people have crafted incredible narratives around people who attending the space, how they move through it, the signage, the storytelling, the assets, everything else is really good, you know, um, design. And so if we just lift and shift that into a digital world. You don't have to reimagine it. You have to do something crazy and new. We're already really good at the real world, but now we can give the physical world, the real world, digital reach. And that is the biggest moment I think that people should start thinking onto is you already have done 70, 80% of the hard work. How do you push that to the next level? And obviously, there's always places to play with brand experiences. But VR for, for PR or AR for PR or mixed reality, you know, doing the world's first insert brand product VR experience, that time has been and gone. We're now into a phase where this is real revenue generation. This is a new business, um, our, uh, business group with inside your company an opportunity to make real revenue. And that's the point we're at. And I hear you've open sourced some of your technology. Could you tell me why that's important? We've found over the last few years, and was going back to what we did for the Dubai Expo, was that it costs a lot of money to stand up a technology a platform to create this new world that we're all living within. So we've created something called CSP. And the CSP is Connected Spaces Platform. 
enables brands, businesses, and organizations, and developers like us to create content apps and experiences much, much faster to get to people around the world. Instead of it costing a million dollars to create something, it should be something tangible that every business around the world can use themselves. It's a platform that allows you to create content and deploy it either as a mobile application, desktop application, a VR application, AR, or even just a browser. So within one click, you can jump into a 3D space and your audiences can either walk around your digital museum or visit your virtual shoe shop or come to a music performance without the need to download these apps. But because it's open source, we're putting it in the hands of the world to work on the technology that we've created and expand it for their own needs. So we're really excited about it. It's just on magnopus.com forward slash CSP and you'll be able to find out about it and get your own copy. So really, really interesting and really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for joining us on Sideload. And thanks to you, dear listener, for checking out this episode of Sideload as well. Don't forget to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast player. Just search Edelman UK. And if you want to get in touch, send an email to sideload at edelman.com. See you next time.